Welcome to the recap, the part of our podcast where we recap this week's sermon. That's what we do. That's why it's called the recap. We're recapping the sermon. So we're right here after service uh, with Bruce. Bruce just preached. Hey, Bruce, how you doing? I'm doing good. How's your voice? Uh, it's a little tired. All right. <laughs> well, we'll try to... Oh, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna have to talk. So <laughs> yes, I will. Yeah, and uh, Alan West is here with us. He's one of our elders. How you doing, Alan? I'm doing well, thank Good. you. And then Peter. Peter's back for round two. He was here last week and just couldn't get enough. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> All right. So uh, Bruce, why don't we just start with you just giving us a real brief recap of just the main points, um, just kind of like what the the main points of the text. Yeah, I divided the text into three, basically three sections, uh, verses one through seven, looking at uh, the threat that God made against Abimelech for trying to take Sarah as his wife and Abimelech's uh, answer to God. And then second part would be verses, uh, let's see, what was it here? Eight through 13, where Abraham makes some excuses when Abimelech confronts him. And then verses uh, 14 to 18, where we see an amazing thing happen where God actually moves Abimelech to bless Abraham in response to this sin rather than to rebuke him or, or um, some negative consequence mm-hmm. from that. Yeah, and yeah, that's amazing. I just, I really appreciated the personal nature that you put on too of the excuses that Abraham made because you're right. You know, who among us hasn't, you know, well, I was afraid, you know, or just really. Yeah, I've tried all of those. Yeah, exactly. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And yet what an amazing thing that God time and time again, because of Jesus meets us with blessing and not curse. So yeah, it was awesome. Um, Was there anything uh, in the text that you didn't have time to touch on? Or maybe if it was a, you know, the sermon was twice as long you might've wanted to talk about or anything like that. (laughs) The sermon was (laughs) twice as long. Um, Well, I think, um, I think one question, well, yeah, the question that came up after the service uh, from one was one that I I sent you. And Mm -hmm. that was, uh, why would Abimelech be interested in marrying a 90 year old Sarah? (laughs) Yeah. And none of the commentaries that I'd read or any of the research I, I did could find anything definitive on that. It's just like it gets glossed over. Nobody really talks about it. And it, it isn't really the main point of the passage, so we, it's rarely, hardly anybody takes time to get into it. Um, so the only, the only uh, thought I came up with was that Marriages in the ancient world were often politically motivated. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just wondering if this was kind of a marriage that Abraham and Abimelech were organizing to kind of seal a treaty between the two of them that they would leave each other alone or they would benefit each other. We're just not told in the text why uh, Mm -hmm. Abimelech would be interested, not not just in a 90-year-old woman, but someone who... Clearly, the Bible is already established by that point that Sarah is beyond childbearing years. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that would be the main interest in a king adding a new woman to a harem. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, that, that was my best guess, is that it was a politically motivated arrangement. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, didn't, I hadn't even thought of that. <clears throat> um, another one that you, that you kind of 
wrote down, we were talking a little bit about before, and you touched on it in your sermon, but how does God's gracious dealing with his people, even in forgiving sins, not lead to like an easy believism? Um, you know, it doesn't matter how we live. There is a kind of a movement out there, I think, in, you know, uh, evangelical Christianity, um, the free grace movement, where it just doesn't matter, right? You're saved, yep. and so yep. you can live however you want. And so how does, you know, and God is gracious, where, where you know, sin increases, grace abounds the more. So how does that not lead to an easy belief? Yeah, Maybe but- if you guys want to, Alan and Peter, you guys can chime in on this too. It doesn't have to only be Peter or uh, Bruce. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll just say, and I mentioned this briefly in the message, but uh, Paul does address that in Romans 6, um, right after he says at the end of 5, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Um, He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? So he recognizes that's a challenge that could come to his, his theology there. And he says, by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So he starts taking us back right to baptism, which he would have understood as the initiation of your Christian life and saying, so you've died to all that. How can you continue to live in it? And then, of course, Mm-hmm. In First John, we're told in several places that if you say you love God, but you don't obey him, mm-hmm. then you're, you're a liar and you do not practice the truth. Right. So there are other passages in the Bible that help us kind of counterbalance what you would call a hyper grace teaching that mm-hmm. um, we can sin as much as we want and it doesn't matter and a yeah. constant practice of sin in one's life may indicate there's no regeneration. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that yeah we need to be careful of when we mm-hmm. when we teach on things like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think genuine believers are gonna at at some point in their walk of faith and through their life, they're going to have a moment if they believe that. If they believe it's uh, you can separate uh, your works, your life from a genuine faith. Um, then you're going to have at some point in your life, you're, you're just, your conscience is going to prick you. You cannot stay a, a genuine, a genuinely new, uh, born again person mm-hmm. will not be able to function or live uh, throughout their life believing and walking that way with those kind of beliefs. At some point in time, the spirit's going to get a hold of them and take, you know, Take a hold of them and say, "Look, you you can't keep walking this way." Now mm-hmm. we all we all have, we all wrestle with sin. We all wrestle with sin till the day we die. But you're a genuine believer will be in a state of of uh, combat with that. Really, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Peter, you have anything to add? Uh, no. Okay. It looked like you were looking at something in your. Well, uh, I, w- I was looking. You know, it is related to the sin. Um, There's just another thing that I was pondering a little bit during the sermon was in verse six, it says, this is God talking to, um, to him in the dream when it says, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. And uh, that just, that was just interesting that, you know, we can kind of think in the situation that, you know, there's this, well, he's, he's sinning against Sarah. <laughs> this is adultery. He's sinning against Abraham. Mm-hmm. And God comes in and says, 
you know, you were sinning against me. It reminds me of, you know, when David was found out against, yep. Psalm 51. you know, yeah, you and you only have I sinned. He confesses, David does in that, in that Psalm. And uh, similarly here, just the, the vertical nature of our sin primarily. And then yes, the horizontal effects that mm-hmm. it has, but just in this really short, very tangible story, how, um, God's like, I kept you from sinning against me. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So it's, it's God's holiness, yeah. right? You know, and that's always in view. And so when we fall short of that, it's an offense against, against him primarily. Yeah. So that's good. I, there was one more thing, Alan. What did that, someone came up to you and <laughs> said something after service. Yeah. So uh, the question that was asked of me after the service is, did Bruce mention free will? Oh boy. The man has free will. <laughs> so maybe you Here can we go. Help, help us with All that right, How long is this recap going to be? <laughs> so so well, yeah, that, what, what would you say to that? That's the problem when, yeah. when we get into things like the interaction between man's will and God's sovereign control, right? So I mentioned that's a, at the beginning of the message, that's a, a pretty deep and mysterious theological conundrum that uh, the church has wrestled with throughout history. And so I didn't think I was going to solve it mm-hmm. in the space of a 40-minute sermon. So that's why I didn't spend a lot of time delving deep. I just wanted to make the point that no matter what we do, what decisions we make or don't make, God cannot be thwarted in what he's going to do. Yep. We cannot thwart God's plans mm-hmm. and purposes, either for our lives mm-hmm. individually or for his plan for the universe mm-hmm. and to ultimately bring his people into his place to enjoy his presence. Yep. And I know we're not going to completely solve it right now, but just, I mean, just to touch on it a little bit, we do believe that you are free exactly. to act according to your will. We believe that. And so there is a sense in which if that's how we define free will, then well, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The question is, what does your will want? Right. And because we believe in total depravity, we believe that man is sinful and only desires, apart from the spirit, only desires sin. And so, yeah, you're free to do what you want and all you want to do is sin, you know? And you're against God and... But but those are still free decisions that you're making. Like you're not you're not a automatronic free, robot. They're free in the sense that you're not being coerced by right. any outside mm-hmm. force. Um, God is not twisting your arm. You're not a puppet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it all it all comes down. And and I think Calvin mentions this in his Institutes. He uses the term free will, and doesn't seem to shy away from that. But he's very careful to de- to define it. Right as simply pretty much, I mean, if I were to summarize it, he defines it as the ability to do what you want. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So nobody is holding a gun to your head. Nobody's coercing your decision. You just get, you can do what you want. What you don't see behind the scenes is how God created you in such a way that you want certain things or don't want certain things, or sin is acting on your heart in such mm-hmm. a way that you want or don't want certain things. Right. That's the part we don't see. <clears throat> Yep. We, we think we're exercising our quote unquote free will. Yep. Um, but why do we want what we want? That's, that's the deeper question. Yep. Yeah, that was a mind blowing thought to me that you always do in the moment what you want most, always. It's, even if it's something that you, it would be unpleasant. <laughs> yep. So 
So yeah, and then that's the beauty of the new birth is that what God does is he reaches in and gives you a heart of flesh. And now all of a sudden you see Jesus and he's beautiful, right? And so what do you do? You freely choose him. Yep. Because he's the most amazing thing in the universe. So, all right, well, good. Yeah, we solved it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. If, they were, if the church would just listen to this podcast, there'd yeah. be no more debate, yep. right? Mm, yep, mm-hmm, great. <laughs> Well, thanks, guys. This was really good. Thank you, Bruce, for preaching. Really appreciated it. Thank Um, you. It's a a joy and a privilege. See you guys later.